still we fucked up. Fucked up bad. Tell me something encouraging. I just smoked a buck. I smoked a fork. Oh my god, my first year. You guys ready? I'm ready. Alrighty. Hey guys, thanks for tuning into another episode of Ridge Ridge Outdoors Podcast. Uh, we set this up pretty quick over a couple weeks, but I actually got in contact with Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and uh, specifically with the Southern California Regional Director. Or director. His name's Marshall. Marshall, how you doing, buddy? Pretty good. How y'all doing? Pretty doing good, all man. right, man. Doing we got good. we got Timmy and Brian. It's I was just gonna cuss, but we're gonna try to leave the cussing out of this one. It's pretty hot, man. <laughs> oh yeah, I dude. feel like I'm sweating already, man. Oh yeah, there's a fire down the road. Yeah, you sent a picture of that. Off Gopher Canyon. Mm-hmm. I figured I was like, man, I was gonna text you back. So you better get past that. You're gonna be locked oh, up I, for a I while. I got lucky, man. Yeah, got lucky. I've been here for this one. But listen, Marshall, enough about us and what's going on, dude. Tell us about yourself, man. What you got going on? Yeah, so I'm the regional director in Southern California for the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. So I manage all of the chapters of the Elk Foundation in Southern California. The way we split the state is around Sacramento. So the Sacramento chapter technically belongs to Northern California. And then I have everything from Ripon area all the way through San Diego. So it goes. And then how far east do you go? The whole state of California. So it stops at the Arizona border. Yep. So we normally we would have a regional director in Nevada and Arizona. Um, currently, there's not a regional director in Nevada, so I'm helping to cover that area. And then we yeah. just hired a new regional director in Northern California. He comes on board in two weeks, the end of the month. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of people probably don't. So I'll be completely honest with you, man. I didn't, just like when we spoke week and a half ago. I didn't even know there was an REMF chapter down here. Uh, yeah, most of the time when folks uh, ask me what I do and I tell them I work for the Elk Foundation, they think I work for like the Elks Lodge. Right. They have no idea what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just, just a correction, I said R-E- Yes, you did. M-F. Uh, yeah, I saw Timmy, you caught that. It's R-M-E-F. <laughs> R-M-E-F. <laughs> Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. Yeah, exactly. for sure. But it was it was a shocker to me that there was even a chapter down here. Yeah. You know, and, and then I was like, well, I kind of dove into it a little bit in our in our our main sponsor of this podcast, uh, Right to Bear Arms out of Alpine, mm-hmm. they were the ones that actually got me in contact with the chapter, the chapter head chair. or the chapter chair. Yeah. I mean, him, it, I think his name was Scott. It? Scott. Yeah. yeah. I, I was talking to him and we spoke for a while and it just blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's a banquet coming up in like yep. August. Yep. August 21st. Okay. So August 21st, we're going to have a bank. That's the opener. I'm, I'm going to be gone. Yeah, dude. I'll be in Utah. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, yeah, we were speaking on it, and it just it intrigued me. And yeah. I was like, look, man, I kind of want to get this recorded. And he was like, look, I'll record with you, but I think our director would probably be better. And I was like, get me in contact with you. And we started talking about it. And, and it, you don't think of, of Southern California or mm-hmm. California, let alone Southern California, as like um, elk, hunter paradise. elk hunter paradise. Right. Yeah, like yeah, it's exactly. not... Yeah, um, RMEF, or excuse me, California is actually one of the top fundraising states for RMEF in the country, just because of how many folks we have and how many chapters we have and the quality of banquets that we're holding in California. Right. We're making pretty good money um, off these fundraisers that we're holding in California. Um, but yeah, we have uh, chapters in San Diego, Los Angeles, Rancho Cucamonga, Ridgecrest. I mean, wow. all around. That's not wild. Dev- definitely not in places where you'd consider folks out chasing elk, but you know, there's elk in LA County, which most people don't understand that. Right. That's <laughs> on. You know, what? what? No, yeah. that's Tohon Ranch, dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, come mm-hmm. on, man. Yep. <laughs> that's Tohon Ranch. Yeah, the expensive bulls. Yeah, oh, yeah. super expensive. <laughs> dude, like I know it's a little bit off topic, but California has all three species of, of yes. elk. That's right. Tool. The only state where you can get your slam. 
Yeah, so it's Thule or Tool? Thule. Thule, we got Roosevelt, and we got Rocky Mountain. Dude, that's, that's, right. why, that's why those tags in L.A. County are so expensive. Those are actually Rockies on the Tejon. Are those they? aren't Thule's. Oh, yeah. they are? It's because of the quality of the bowl that you're going to take off that ranch. Over the last 15 years, I think they're averaging like 394 inches for every trophy bowl they take off that place. Ah, Like the sweet one that Joe Rogan (laughs) shot? Yeah. That that was a sick video. Yeah, I think he said he nailed that one at like 70 yards. 70 yards. I've been to uh, their hunting operation like headquarters, Uh and when you walk in, they have a giant picture of Joe with his bull. Do they? They're like, Joe (laughs) Rogan's our hero. A lot of guys go down there. John Dudley. Oh, yeah, they all do. They do all kinds of hunts at Tahoe, and they don't just have elk. You can also get a pig hunt. You can get a turkey hunt. You can... I mean, they have deer hunts also. That was the first pig hunt I ever went on was there. Was that town? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was fun as shit, dude. Yeah, it's, it was amazing. It's a huge place. Yeah, it's, it's like 270,000 acres yeah. or something. I mean, it's like ridiculously big. It's a whole mountain range, you it know? It's beautiful, dude. Mm-hmm. Coming down from Grapevine. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's insane. It's so yeah. nice down there. Yeah. Dude, it's wild. You know, the thing about that is, um, like, the price for those elk, It, like you said, you pay for the quality on that. Yeah. But it doesn't mean, like, if those elk, it, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Those elk go on to private property off the ranch. Yeah. What's the deal with that? Because if you have a tag, in if you have right, but it's not like a unit. It's oh, not a. Dis- I see what you're saying. Yeah, that's not a that's not a state managed elk unit down right. there. You'd have to have a landowner tag to okay. take one of those bulls. So okay. that's what those tags are when you're getting a tag from Tahoe. It's a landowner tag. It's a landowner tag. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I mean they can just basically just run the gamut on the price on that. Yeah, well, <laughs> they're the only folks. Yeah. <laughs> you think Joe Rogan got that bull for, for cheap? No. You think he paid full price? Yeah. You think so? Yeah. I, I don't, don't know I, if we can keep this in, but uh, I asked about getting a deal on one. They were like, no. Because they're, like they're sold out through like 2023 or four. Oh, really? Jesus. Yeah. How many and bulls? This was, this was last year when I was, I was there in 2020. And they said they were sold out through 2023. He was like, if I wanted to sell 20, 2024, I could sell out in five minutes if I wanted to. How many bulls they take a year off of that thing? 11 bulls. Wow! So of they, those eleven, the, only seven are for trophy bulls. Really? So they they get four, they they reserve four tags for uh, management bulls. What? Uh, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> half price, bowl. half price management bulls. <laughs> management bull up there is still going to be like a three hundred fifty inch. Bowl. I was just going to say it's three fifty. Yeah. Dream, dude. If they're getting close what's, to four hundred on a trophy, dude, management is probably close. To what's the elk population there? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. Um, they do their own population studies and all that oh, kind okay. of stuff because they're very well funded. So yeah, how did that herd get there? They are reintroduced Rockies in non-historical Rocky Range. Who did that? I'm not sure. So, and was it legal? <laughs> M- M- Mr. Tahone freaking rolled out, dude, with a horse trailer and kicked a bunch yeah. out. Bam! Get out. <laughs> yeah, and if they had Tuleys there, they'd probably would be worth even more. I'm sure because that's historical Tule Range. Oh, that, so. that's one of my dream hunts, dude. See, it trips me out. Like, um. Prior to, to hitting the record button, we kind of had a little dialogue going on just so it's not, you know, it's the first day we're ever meeting you outside yeah. talking on the yeah. phone. But you, you'd kind of touched on the fact that reintroductions at this point are kind of like non, mm-hmm. non-existent non anymore with RMEF. Yeah, there's, most states aren't allowing reintroduction because uh, the, the whole CWD thing is basically, Pretty. I mean, a nightmare scenario for anybody that likes Elk, mule deer, moose. It is. It is. But um, there's a lot of there's a lot of information out there that says it's always been here. Yeah. So the thing is, just because we don't know everything about CWD right now, we're just we're not gonna open ourselves up for the potential for spreading it, and then right. it comes out that like, hey, RMEF is the reason that there's now CWD in 
X state that wants elk right now. So all that, yeah, all that money that would have been going into elk reintroductions, which have a ton of, ton of elk have been reintroduced successfully. All right. that money is now being funneled into CWD research instead, right. trying to put an end to that. Cause I mean, you, you can't test for it on a live animal. Right. So th- <laughs> this is something that I actually wanted to talk to you about years ago, dude, there's a, there's a picture floating around and it's mm-hmm. a black and white photo. And it's actually up on Mount Laguna over here in San Diego. Mm-hmm. There's a bull elk, dude, mm-hmm. in the middle of Laguna Meadow, yeah. mm-hmm. just laying there. Mm-hmm. Do you know any knowledge of any? Because we've asked dudes that have been around for years here, like, yeah. like legends in San Diego. Yeah. And they're like, no, nope, I don't know what you're talking about. But you, I have no idea. I mean, dude, can you? When you guys, I thought they came off the islands. Well, remember, they put them on Santa Rosa or whatever it was. But the thing is, is is there was supposedly a herd of elk on Laguna Mountain, dude, in San Diego. So yeah, my, they, they were brought in from... Taken? Does anybody know? Uh, well, I, can, I can find it right <laughs> now. I don't know, dude. <laughs> I, it was in like the 40s or 50s. I think it was from a, a zoo donated them to somebody, and he oh. got permission to release them on... Don't quote me, but I'm, I think S.D. Muley's has a picture up on his page. I, I was wondering if it was the that last uh, Thule herd that they found out in Bakersfield, like if there were still... Uh, remnant Thule population down here that that's that somehow. that's the uh, Chorizo monument area. Well, that's that's where there's Thule's now. But uh, the only reason there's Thule's at all is because in the early 1900s, when we realized they were going extinct, we found six of them on one rancher's property outside of Bakersfield in like right. early early 1900s. Okay, and used those elk to basically. Repopulate the Thule population, so they're California. not they're not inbred or anything. No, no. We had, well, I mean, if from six from six uh, that were left to whatever we have now, I mean, I've never heard of them having right. some sort of inbred problem. Yeah. But I, I guess there's enough genetic diversity. Yeah, so there may be some crossbreeding with Rockies in there. I have no Who idea. Knows? Yeah. So I got yeah. the backstory right here. So some somewhere around 1918, they transplanted 18 elk from the San Diego Zoo up in Mount Laguna. Oh, okay. Because they stopped, they stopped breeding in the zoo, so they released them on public land. Did uh, Is there a picture of one? Yeah. So you can show Marshall? Check that out, dude. That's on Laguna That's Mountain, a dude. big dead gum bull. Yeah. Yep. Dang. I mean, and this is like <laughs> the thing. So, obviously, you're a Southern California regional director, mm-hmm. so you know that there's predator issues in California as yeah. a whole, right? Yeah. Like, I don't think low number reintroductions mm-hmm. would take anywhere in California right now. I There's don't think water. Well, a water and lines, dude. I don't yeah. think you could release a bull and and ten cows and have them make it mm-hmm. with the amount of lightning. Like if you were to say, "Oh, we're gonna go put and say Mount Laguna was a, a deal," yeah. right? Where you're like, that thing can start out and hold a population of elk, right? <clears throat> and you know, we're not in a drought or whatever. I don't think you could release a small group of elk up there and make them last. Well, yeah, and then the other like secondary effects of releasing elk down here when there's already competition for water is you're going to kick mule deer off all those water sources and you're right. going to hurt your deer your deer herd down here i mean i've seen trail cam footage of elk kicking the crap out of mule deer to run them scarce off. water yeah that's why like on uh um the carrizo uh, monument area up there there's the, the deer struggle up there because the elk pretty much reign supreme right and they'll just straight up won't allow them to come to water oh really yeah let's run them off mm-hmm. wow I mean, there's a lot of farmland down there that got a ton yeah. of water down on the flats. <laughs> I guess they're not smart enough to head that direction. I, they're <laughs> like, oh, get out of there, you know? Yep. I, I just don't think, like, reintroduction in California in yeah. general is, 
I mean, I would like to see it, and I'd like yeah. to, regardless of the outcome, I'd like to see it take place. I mean, yeah. I understand the CWD aspect right now, and I, yeah. I could get that. I understand why it's not happening at this mm. point when you said that. But as far as, like, actual reintroductions, like, I don't think California, like, I feel like, I and and don't quote me on this, but, like, any major reintroductions in the last 15 years, I don't think there has been any. Uh, I'm not sure off the top of my head. Even like yeah. in bighorn sheep, right, Timmy? I mean, yeah. think about it. Like we, we hear about issues on water and lions at this point and herds dropping off and, you know what I mean, to predation. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, I get it. It's like the the ecosystem, right? It, it, yeah. it comes and goes. It happens. It's, yeah, the name of the game for expanding elk in California is just water projects. Just putting water out there, yeah. huh? Expanding, you know, guzzlers right. and having enough water on the landscape to support, you know, a 900-pound animal. Well, do that'd you, be a big bull. But. Do you know how much a guzzler would cost to put in? Ooh, I don't know off the top of my head, but I know And getting water out to it, though, that's another thing. You constantly right. have to haul water out to it. Yeah, like, exactly. Do you, do, you, do you have an idea on, like, how much water a guzzler... Like, say you build a guzzler. You're like, this is a elk guzzler that we're putting in. I can tell you I'm out of my depth on this one. I'm not a biologist. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so you don't even keep your hands in that. I, yeah. I mean, kind of... Yeah. So... With all the work you guys do and with, with the elk population growing in California, obviously California isn't giving people the chance or giving out more elk tags. Mm-hmm. In other states, have you noticed with all the work you've been doing and populations growing that more elk tags are available? Yeah, so um, most states, states attempt to uh, manage their elk in accordance with what their herd is. So that's why like, in, you'll see in some states the, the tag allotment's up and some states the tag allotment's down. Um, in California, it's it, it's a constant issue with us working with Cal Fish and Game to issue more elk tags because there's approximately 17,000 elk in California, yet this year we only issued 265 tags, I want to say. Something that's like more that. than I thought, to be honest with you. Yeah. So uh, there's, I mean, that's drastically low. When you compare it to the next closest state, like Kentucky has a similar size elk herd, um, they're issuing more tags than that, so... I, I don't understand why they don't enter, enter like, issue ten percent. That's uh, that's the way RMEF recommends to. Uh, that's the way our biologists recommend to right. state management agencies. Like, hey, right. you issue ten percent of tags for what your total population is. So under that math, we should be issuing around seventeen hundred tags in California. Right. Call it fifteen hundred to make it safe. <laughs> That'd wow. be a beautiful thing. Yeah, we'd have odds. You would have. We have, have a lot odds. of competition because a lot of the elk in California are really confined. Right, and you, in, I mean, there are huge swaths of public land that you can hunt them on, but there's also huge swaths of private land that they're just going to hang out on, like yeah. any other state. Yeah, so. I, but see, the thing is, is like, if there was fifteen hundred tags allotted instead mm-hmm. of two hundred, and what'd you say, two hundred forty or two sixty, two sixty? Yeah, if there's fifteen hundred tags, that that would that would drive an industry that would probably lower the cost of landowner access. Yeah. You know, like if there's 260 tags, these landowners, they're like, <laughs> yeah, gotcha. If we got you, buddy, you ain't got all <laughs> yeah, nowhere. Well, that's, you know that I mean? 260 is is the amount of tags that you can like apply for and draw. There's more tags available to through the uh, the uh, I want to say it's called the like PLM the share, and share program. Share program. Yeah. But dude, that, how many tags are going through that? It's not. I have no idea. You ain't getting yeah. a thousand tags on no, that, dude. No, no three. Right. Yeah, you know yeah. I, mean? I forgot what the ratio is for how many tags you get per acre. I was talking to a game manager for a big ranch up outside of uh, Santa Maria a couple weeks ago and he explained it to me but it's it's pretty steep I, w- I want to say it was in the ballpark of like 3,000 acres a tag 
something like that. Oh, really? Yeah, you gotta be, you gotta be a. I mean, you gotta have a pretty heavy stick pretty to get a landowner tag. To get a landowner tag, yeah. Gosh dang, and, dude. So, what about ratio of, of bulls versus cows um, of the tags that are given out? Do you guys give recommendations on that too, or we probably do? I just don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. It, it that's crazy. That two hundred and sixty elk tags mm-hmm. are issued. Something ain't jiving there. Say yeah. we got seventeen thousand elk. Yeah. And then you have two hundred and sixty tags. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a little wonky there, man. <laughs> like I said, I saw over a hundred last weekend. Yeah. In on probably a six hundred acre ranch. So hundred bulls or hundred. I want to see what what ranch. I'm wondering. I'm wondering if it was like the Chimeneas Ranch or the Spanish Ranch or something like you, that. Brandon can keep this going real quick, or Brian, and I'll go ahead and look it up and I'll show you. Okay. You got anything, Brian? Uh, I'm just trying to look up the elk success harvest percentage in California. Dude, it's probably not very high. There, well, there's like a few guides up on off the 395 or in Bishop Lone yeah, Pine that are yeah. really good, and if you book through them, you're gonna kill. Yeah, I I mean, dude, the, the, I think public land elk hunting. Is yeah. on, in California is probably pretty hard. Yeah, um, I'm assuming it is. Um, I mean, my experience with it actually elk hunting is nil. I mean, I moved from Florida to California right. uh, for this job, and I've never actually elk hunted myself. So I work for the Elk Foundation. So I've never actually been elk hunting. I, I still, to this day, dude, mother F my old man, dude. <laughs> I shit you not. Dude, check this out. When we when we first started getting into hunting, mm-hmm. like we kind of got in at the same time. Yeah, we apply. We're like, oh, there's elk tags in California. Mm-hmm. Like, great, you know, like mm-hmm. let's apply. We, dude, I had no idea. Go hunt wasn't around. Yeah, nothing was around. We applied. He put in for a Siskiyou County antler list tag. And he drew, and I shit you not, he drew. <laughs> dude, oh yeah, we had this conversation. He freaking drew, dude, and he didn't, dude. He did not go and and he was like well it's at the top of the state and we don't know where to go and, and i'm like dad I got, and i got a hold of a like i got a hold of a guide i got a hold of a guide yeah and he i think it was super reasonable like 500 bucks come march around the, the yeah, ranch he, you know what i mean <laughs> dad and won I, the lottery and just dude, let it go <laughs> it did, and he let it go dude yeah. dang and it was only like a 400 tag but that's hunting well even if you don't know where to go you don't know you just right. go dude, we're we're yeah. brand we were brand new to it, dude. Like, I, I mean, now I'm like, just get, get out, go. We're but, gone. <laughs> yeah. Would you rather have it that way or be one of the folks that, like, drew it last year and then all the property got shut down by the state because it right. was on fire? <laughs> yeah. Did those guys end up getting the tags this year? Yeah. Well, no, no, no. So the way it worked is because uh, I actually just talked to a guy that drew uh, the, the uh, Siskiyou tag for yeah. a bull up there, and his dad drew the same tag last year, mm-hmm. uh, but the state actually ended up refunding him his points and uh, most of the cost of the tag. So he got, at least mo- got his on. points back. M- most of the cost? Yeah. I don't I don't know about all the details on oh, that. It, they, they had a $700 processing fee that you didn't get back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Damn, dude. So to return the tag, he had to pay. He paid him to return it. Yeah. Another wow. 200 bucks. That I that kick you right in the teeth, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, that was something we used. Uh, we have a, a lobbyist up in uh, Sacramento that we use for Gaines? a lot of. Our, yeah, we yeah. use Bill Gaines. Bill He's Gaines is rad, dude. Yeah, so uh, that was one of the things we got him working on as soon as all that all those shutdowns started happening last year, to, so that folks could. I mean, you wait your whole life to pull an elk tag in California. You and get you finally, back. yeah, you finally pull one, and states like, no, you're not getting your your preference points back. That would, I mean, I'd be pretty. Oh upset. yeah. Dude. <laughs> F the preference points. I want my freaking tag. Yeah. yeah. That's why you put in. Yeah. Give me my tag back in 2022 or 2021. Now we're worried about, I mean, it's already started to happen. This year they're starting to shut down. Are National they? Forest. 
well, up north oh, for where fi- the big yeah, fires we need are. Rain, yeah. yeah, we need rain. Arizona's getting hammered. Oh, that's good. Monsoons, dude. So we did touch on um, kind of what you guys do um, as far as land, mm-hmm. public land for, uh, for public land hunters. Uh, you want to go ahead and touch on that? So as far as like land acquisition projects, and yes, like exactly. That? Yeah. So um, one of our one of the staples in RMEF's mission is uh, going out and finding properties that we consider important habitat um, that potentially could out- open up you know public land access. If if there's a bunch of landlocked public land, we'd look at accessing uh, or purchasing a small piece of property that would give folks access to that, or just properties that are super important in terms of the quality of the habitat that's there and uh, turning it back over to the state. So I was part of a project that ended up getting flushed down the tubes because of COVID last year, but we were looking at a ranch um, up near Gorman, purchasing it uh, with the intent of turning it back over to the state. So the way it would work is we'd purchase these ranches. This is one of those like army of conspiracy theories that we like buy property and only let our like employees yeah. and super big donors like yeah. go shoot monster bulls on it every year. That is a complete farce because if that – was true, I would have been elk hunting by now. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we look at buying these places, and then we'll put a, a conservation easement on the property so that buildings can never be built on that property yeah. for, like, ever, essentially. Well, And then turn it over to the state, and that process can take a couple years. But, yeah. Um, yeah, turn it over to the state. So the state, once they get it, they have no option but to make it, you know, public land, national yeah. forest designation, however they want to do it, um, so that folks can hunt on it in the future. Um, when we do own property for a couple of years, because that process of turning it over to the state can take a while. Um, this happened in Northern California a couple of years ago. We had a couple hundred acres that we owned. We'll still open it up to public access. And oh, it's that's just, cool. Uh, it's just up to the local regional director to manage you know how many people are on it at a time because that's like a liability that. so also right yeah, yeah. so yeah. tell me this with that like say did you have something brian that you just spoke? i had a quick question but go ahead okay oh. so say you bought a chunk of property mm-hmm. right so so say you bought a thousand acres yeah and you're in the process of turning it over to the state of california how how do you manage that like you said you still allow public access but how do you how do you ma- like it's private property. I've never dude. had to do it. Okay. I've just been told this is what we do. So. Right. Because <laughs> California has a fish and game law. Yeah. And it's actually a, a, you know, it goes further than fish and game, but it's, you know, for the listeners, 2016, right? It's fish and game code 2016. Basically, yeah. states private property, as long as it's not fenced, cultivated, or posted. Bro, it's, free. it's fair game. Oh, there you go. So, so if, if RMF, yeah, if they, if they acquired <laughs> property and just didn't post it, mm-hmm. technically, it's, it's fine to hunt. It's yeah. fine to hunt. And and that does happen a lot, man. Yeah. And that's a huge tip for the listeners. But uh, don't quote me on that. We ain't getting sued over it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I had a question. Um, so when you guys say you purchased your land, do you got prior to you know getting it ready to become public land? Mm-hmm. Do you guys like add like you guys do any habitat restoration as far as yeah, like that's absolutely throwing drinkers like, and yeah, that's something. Yeah, th- that would be handled the same way we handle all of our other uh, pack, which is project action or project advisory committee, excuse me. This would be handled the same exact way. I'd write up a proposal myself and then present it to our committee, and we'd vote on, uh, you know, what things we want to do on the property, things okay. like that. Can, and, can, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, and one more question. Like, so say there's two different properties for sale. One yeah. has already the resources there and one doesn't. Would you guys 
so we have an entire staff of folks that like handles all this like land okay. acquisition thing. So um, before we purchase a property, our land acquisition folks, our biologists, our conservation people, they're all going to come take a look at it and be like, this is the one we want versus this is the okay. one we want. Me as the lowly regional director in Southern California, I'm not the one calling up headquarters. Hey, I need, you know, $10 million to buy this 3,000 acre ranch so that we can, you know, yep. open it up to the state. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. Folks well, way above me make these decisions. Okay. <laughs> We're just going to keep slamming you the question. Dude, I, I mean, <laughs> this, is, this is all stuff that I, dude, it's great. Yeah. And, I love yeah. it. Yeah. So as far as, as uh, let's say you have natural springs, are you allowed to enhance natural springs on your own property? Um, is How does that work with... So you're saying like if I get a private ranch that wants to do habitat enhancement on their property, can they ask me for money? No, no. So like let's say you guys acquire a, a piece of property yeah. and you have a spring that kind of dries out in the summertime. Are you allowed to make any enhancements to that before you turn it over to state land just so it holds water better as far yeah. as? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, no. Even even once it's turned over, we can still do projects. On oh, really? Is there yeah. a clause oh, uh, in that? Do you guys have a like a well, written just, contract? We would just say we, we would just go to the, the state. Yeah whoever or us forester or whoever's going to take over the property blm whoever and say like hey we want to do this proper this project here and they they so, have no problem with it yeah. so when you give property over it doesn't stay in rmefs like uh no. you know asset portfolio no, no, it it's, actually it's goes to yeah the we're forest, non-profit we can't have any assets at the end of the year so oh okay yeah and did, wow does this land getting to- turned over is this publicized do you know like yeah a, yeah absolutely okay. as yeah. much as you could we had a huge land donation in montana let me see. This uh, the landowner came in when we were at staff meetings in January 2020, up in Missoula, and he donated like 25,000 acres. Oh or wow! Like that. Yeah, just you wow. guys. You guys Dude. contact Onyx and let them know that there is some new public land. That I don't know how that works, but <laughs> I'm messing with you. I'm just yeah. messing with you. I I got a question in regards to that. Not Onyx, mm-hmm. but the land acquisition. Yeah. If you have people, obviously you have people donate land. Yeah. Right. I mean, guy jump. 25,000 acres. Matt, do they ever come up to RMEF and go, listen, I'm going to give you guys 30,000 acres or abundance amount Mm -hmm. of acreage. We want it for habitat, like preservation in a sense that like this, we don't necessarily want hunting on it. Mm-hmm. Or just it's just like uh like sanctuary property. You know what I mean? Like hey, this conservation is conservation easement. Yeah, like hey, this is where the elk go. Yeah. To to winter and we don't want them disturbed. No shed hunting. You know, during season if they want to hunt, sure or whatever. But you know, just like you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So if somebody comes to us and they say they want us to dump money into their property, but they're not going to allow hunting, we're going to tell them no. No, no. I'm saying yeah. like no, no. I'm saying it's like <laughs> hey, when I, I die, like you got. I, they're saying like in the will, I'm going to put you guys in my will, and when I die, you're going to get my twenty thousand acres. Yeah, and this so that is what would be, I want that would be a, a, like a case-by-case basis type of thing with that. But like we do do conserv- conservation easements on private property pretty okay. frequently. So because uh, that can be really expensive. Um, folks will come to us and say like, hey, I own this many thousand acres and I want to put a conservation easement on it. But, it, you know, it can be $100,000 to put a conservation easement on a giant ranch yeah we did one um a couple years ago with a big ranch up outside santa maria Mm -hmm. um and they're super grateful and they work with us on getting landowner tags and things like that for us to make money off of it at banquets and things like that um yeah that's absolutely something we do so that 
it opens up tons of uh, possibility for future habitat because that's not going to get developed. It's not going to turn into parking lots and apartments. Yeah, that's great. That that's super good. And yeah. to all the people in San Diego that complain about not having enough public land, this is a, a really good reminder <laughs> of why you should uh, you should join. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to be honest there with you, you. It is. Yeah. this is this is all information that I've never heard before. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before I started hanging out with these guys, I, I wasn't really involved in in anything that had to do with. Um, anything that you guys do, yeah. uh, even the Mule Deer Foundation. Yeah. I had no idea about anything. I just get out and hunt, and knowing mm-hmm. there's so many people that are trying to protect our right to hunt right. is, is kind of cool, really yeah. cool. Yeah. Just like Ed Fanchin said, dude. We, if BHA? You're a, huh? BHA? No, no, I'm, I'm just saying. Like, I'm just, he, he full-blown said, if you're a hunter, you need, to be, you need to belong to something to start with your local, your local organization. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That, that's the one I met. Yeah, no. That's CB, CBA. CBA, dude. I, I was thinking like. I pulled I like, Brandon. Yeah, no. Sorry, Brandon. <laughs> it's a CBH. But, dude, like, it is very important for the listeners to make sure they are involved. You know, I know that it is, it, it's not a, like, it's not a pain in the ass to get involved, but it is at the same time. You're like, oh, yeah. I'm going to donate money to this organization where I don't necessarily know where the money's going to go. Yeah. Or it's going to go to the greater good. But like prior to recording, you had said it. Like, when you think of Southern California, we don't necessarily think of elk. Mm-hmm. But if you're a bow hunter or you're a hunter in general, there's no freaking way that it hasn't crossed your mind to hunt elk. Exactly. You, you, it crosses your mind. When you're sitting there at 9 o'clock at night and you can't sleep, you're flipping through YouTube, mm-hmm. you're, you're looking at elk hunting. Yeah. Like there ain't you no way you Steve ain't. Correct, like, man. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's cool. Yeah, yep. dude, there's tons of dudes that go out and get it done every year, and and yeah. and a lot of it, you know, a lot of it's on public land. Yeah, that land access is huge. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much public land we have, if you can't access it, it ain't no good. Me and Brian, this past weekend, dude, we have an area that we like glassing. Yeah, this some bitch threw a freaking car in it because he owns both sides of the freaking road that gets the only way to get to the top of the mountain. Yeah. Through a chain across the own bitch, and it's like we can't get up there now. So now we're that's land access, you know. Yeah. Like, anyways, what I'm saying is land access is very important. Yeah. You guys definitely divulge in that, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the whole the whole wanting to get out and hunt elk, you know, because for this is Southern California, that there's no elk down here. I mean, I'm from Florida, and I I grew up, you know, shooting undersized whitetails and chasing Osceola turkeys and yeah. all that kind of stuff, pigs, and when when I wasn't doing the other stuff and fishing. Um, but I mean, it's like such a, a visceral, like just desire to go out and chase an elk one day. Yeah, I mean, it's a dream. that's like what, especially when you're out East and you never even see elk. Yeah. It's just like, that's the ultimate. And that's why I work for RMEF today. I mean, I love hunting and fishing and I, I, people ask me all the time, like, Oh, you hunt? What do you hunt? And I'm like, I, I mean, whatever's, whatever right. I can. Whatever yeah. I can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're a hunter. But all you your, know? all your projects that you do for the elk, it helps every, every animal in the area. Right. As far yeah, as- exactly. Like we're, we're, um, I can't give you a whole lot of specifics, but we're, um, in the process of funding a project up in Northern California where we're going to install fake beaver dams in an area that doesn't have beavers to increase the water level in all these meadows through the mountain. Right. And that's just going to help everything. I mean, absolutely, yeah. deer, absolutely, in, yeah, everything. without a doubt. So, I mean, I guess if you like the idea mm-hmm. of elk right? or hunting, yeah, in general. we were, or hunting we were talking general. about this before. I mean, there's, I know there's muskox in northern Alaska, and right. I'll probably never get the opportunity to hunt a muskox, but I like knowing they're there, and I don't have a problem, you know, spending my thirty five bucks to X <laughs> organization to make sure that Correct. you know that somebody's doing work for these muskox in Correct. the future 
Yeah. And elk, I mean, elk is such a uh, a charismatic meg- megafauna to steal a term from uh, Meat Eater. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, folks love elk. And, I mean, elk is like the ultimate when it comes to, to deer. I mean, maybe moose. But, you know, there's nothing like an elk screaming at 18 Correct. yards and you at full draw. Right. You're just shaking, waiting yeah. for him to step around that pine tree, you know. I know. It's insane, dude. Mm-hmm. And that that's that's what I guess what I was getting at is like the idea is worth the, the yeah. subscription. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because just because we don't have them in our backyard doesn't mean that you guys aren't yeah. doing it. And we're not only doing work for, for elk. I mean, part of our mission statement is uh, obviously we do the elk, elk habitat, um, other big game. But part of our mission statement is our hunting heritage, protecting our hunting heritage. Correct. So we, we put money into all kinds of stuff like – funding um high school uh skeet and trap shooting teams right uh there's a couple of high schools up in northern california that have teams still that we we fund and they put our logo on their you know that's hats cool. or whatever and, and that's cool right to bear yeah. does that yeah they do that with for, alpine for school. youth yeah uh, what is it the what timmy what's the, the shotgun club it's no it's 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 further up. It's out in Campo. Oh, yeah. They have a shotgun club yeah. out there, and, and Right to Bear yeah. hooks them up, dude. I'm getting ready to uh, – we're getting ready to – this December, we're going to have a veterans waterfowl hunt funded by RMEF. We're actually – I'm tag-teaming it with California Waterfowl Association. Okay. Um, we we uh, got an outfitter lined up, and we're going to pay essentially for 11 to 12 veterans to come out for free mm-hmm. and uh, duck hunt, um, fully guided, lodging included – all kinds of stuff, oh, and, and we got some really big hitters lined up. Sweet. Um, I don't know if I can say this yet, but I'll go ahead and say it. Um, Chad Belding from The Foul Life has uh, already agreed to dedicate an entire episode of the show to filming this veterans hunt. So oh, these wow. guys are all going to get to duck hunt on TV, and we got That's all rad. the ammo donated from Federal, and we got oh, yeah. Benelli working on getting us some shotguns, and Bandit giving us some duck hunting gear. Dude, and that's yeah, these guys are going to win the lottery. They yeah, they pick. are. So it's, it's going to be free to apply for any of them also. So everything will be covered except for, like, your hunting license yeah. and travel. So if you get picked, you know. You yeah. just got to get there, and you're going to have a screaming week. <laughs> Dude, that is That crazy. was actually one of my questions. If you guys – you said you work with the Waterfowl Foundation of – California Waterfowl Association. CWA. Yeah, CWA. That was yeah. one of my questions. If you guys work hand-in-hand hand with other foundations such as Mule Deer and – Yeah, so, like, waterfowl. on things like this, we definitely work right. together with them, yeah. It's it what helps with the cost because it's, it's, it's pretty pricey to take, you know, 11 guys on a fully guided duck hunt. Right. Absolutely. Right. In, I mean, like, the heart of duck country in California. It is, without a doubt, a good thing that you do – uh, like cross promote in a sense it's yeah. kind of what you're yeah. doing you know Absolutely. obviously you're running a business you know and, and there's only so it's like a big pie um obviously everybody's pulling from the same pie yeah you know and yeah. we're all trying to get more funding in that pie yeah absolutely so uh, it is it's great that you guys do that mm-hmm. but i also see like the other side of it where it's like yeah you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I yeah. mean, it's a good, it's a great cause. Yeah, some people are worried about like you know being in competition and all that kind of right. stuff between because essentially we're all trying to pull money from the same folks. I mean, it, the people that go to uh, my banquets are also the same people that go to you know Cal Deer banquets, right. they go to Cal Waterfowl banquets, or they go to Ducks Unlimited, they go to right. Pheasants Forever. They go. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Right. And there's only so much money in the pot, but you won't, when we can work together on uh, you know projects like this, like taking a bunch of guys. Mm-hmm that served um, out hunting for free, like let people know that, hey, we still appreciate what you did and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. It's, uh, it, it, it goes a long way. Hell yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. It does, dude. Uh, do you, are you going to go to the CWA banquet in August? 
Or do you not is do it that? A, is it, no, I definitely it, attend. It, uh, it's <laughs> Southern California. Since I've been hired by RMEF, I have not had time to go right. to another banquet because uh-huh. for some reason, I don't understand what it is in the industry, we all schedule our banquets in the spring. <laughs> yeah. It, so, I, I mean, I think it has something to do with hunting season. You yeah. Know, and it, well, absolutely. Going to it there, um, but. And we, I do have chapters that have, you know, their banquet in like November, things like that. Right. But, um, because we're all in the spring, I usually don't have time to attend other yeah. types of banquets, but um, I do love to go. I mean, I was a Ducks Unlimited volunteer before I got hired by RMEF on the Orlando, Florida chapter, and uh, I love banquet night and attending and yeah. trying to win stuff. As, a, yeah. as an RMEF employee, I can't win anything at banquets, so right. I kind of miss that, like, you know, reading all my raffle tickets at the end of the night, <laughs> yeah. hoping I will go home with something yeah. <laughs> other than my free koozie. How about we, <laughs> we give listeners kind of an idea, like a rundown, if, if they go to a banquet, what, what do they expect? What's there to expect? Yeah, so um, banquets can vary wildly. Um, This year, especially because of of COVID, it's been tough to, uh, you know, find venues that are okay with us having, you know, if it's indoors or having uh, certain limits on how many people we can have. And that's why uh, a lot of folks probably didn't get to attend a banquet this year. Mm -hmm. Um, If we couldn't find a venue that was willing willing to let us have an event during the spring, uh, some folks got upset that we didn't have, you know, try to have that same chapter's banquet later on in the year. Well, you got to remember, all those banquets are run by volunteers. Yeah. So all those folks have real jobs, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, like, uh, specifically, well, I don't, I don't want to put him on blast. One of my chapters up in Central California, they're all they all work in ag. So yeah. once they get out of spring and they start to get into summer, it's harvest for them, and they can't obviously have they don't have any time to work on a running a banquet for, you know, a couple hundred people during harvest. And then they get into fall and they're all hunting fools and none of them want to do anything in the fall. And then by the time it gets to the end of the year, they're like, well, we already need to start working on our banquet for next year and all that kind of stuff. So, um, anyway, you go to a banquet, we're going to have a ton of prizes. Um, we'll have a ton of guns specifically for the San Diego banquet coming up. We've got some really cool stuff lined up. We have, I know Scott told me the chapter chair in San Diego told me the other day that they went out and got a, uh, Christensen arms, uh, want to say modern precision rifle with a carbon fiber barrel and all that so, kind of stuff. Oh, That's yeah. going to go home to somebody with a, with like a $20 raffle ticket. Yeah, that's pretty good. Right there, man. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty good return on your investment. I um, agree. <laughs> I try to have at least one big game hunt per banquet in, mm-hmm. uh, in, in California. It, it's tough though, because you know, it's so hard to have an elk hunt in California. And then on top of that deer hunt, like guided deer hunt in California is pretty expensive. Also. Oh yeah. Without um, a doubt. So I, I try to have options. People get upset when I don't have enough big game hunts at their banquets. It's just cause they're so expensive these days. Right. I mean, if I'm not getting five, six, seven thousand $7,000 for an elk hunt, I'm going to lose money on it. Really? Um, yeah. So, oh, yeah. It, it, I mean, it's it, for fully guided, obviously. Yeah. But yeah. There aren't guys that are willing that are, that are part of uh, RMEF that they give you guys a deal? Like, that doesn't make any sense. No, they still give us deals. Yeah. <laughs> it's still yeah. Yeah, 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 I'd imagine. I mean, you know? um, I saw, I, and every now and then we'll get, like, crazy deals. Like, uh, my baker, my uh, chapter chair in Bakersfield is a prodigy. He's a rock star when it comes to getting hunts donated. I don't know what it is, but he is a dream at calling up outfitters and getting fully donated hunts from them. Um, so, like, at the Bakersfield Banquet in early February, we had three elk hunts that we gave away. Well, we auctioned one and we gave away two. No, I take that back. We auctioned two and we gave away one. 
Yeah, that's right. For a California so, elk hunt? No, these were out of state. Yeah, okay. I was, I, that was what I was going to yeah. ask is could you donate hunts from out of state in a California Oh, yeah, chapter? absolutely. Yeah, they, there was uh, there was one hunt that we sold with Best of the West Outfitters in uh, Wyoming, Unit 60. That's the southeast corner of uh, Yellowstone, mm-hmm. um, which only takes, you know, three points as a non-resident to draw that tag. But it's 98% wilderness in that unit, so you have to hire a guide. Yeah. yeah. So you can go shoot a monster in there, but you have to be able to afford a guide. So we got a two-for-one deal from them. So we right. paid them for 100, and we were able to send 200. Dude, I'm sure those were some happy guys when they found out that they won. Yeah. Well, that, oh, one, yeah. that one we, we – uh, uh, no, wait. I can't remember. Man, I'm getting mixed up now on, on the hunts, but I can't remember if that one was the one we gave away or that was the one we auctioned. But, I mean, I've had hunts go just absolute bananas in live auction. And in Kingsburg, a couple of weeks ago, we sold a – a Montana elk hunt for ten thousand dollars. Wow! Dude, somebody I, in the room just really wanted to go elk hunt. But you know what? Though that I think that's went awesome, to a good cause. Yeah, that's that, absolutely right. And you know, a lot of those guys like the 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 tough part is the end of the day, only ten percent of the crowd at a banquet is participating in a live auction because those are the folks that have the money to participate right, in the right. live auction. But when an, a, a live auction goes bananas like that one did, it's fun for everybody because yeah. they'll get up and start cheering on at these guys to start you know up upselling things keep 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 the keep the party going you know and a lot of those guys like they own businesses or something like that and they can write off the cost a lot of it is yeah yeah it's all taxed it's all tax deductible yeah yeah. deductible is it deductible yeah Yeah. i mean i mean yeah without a doubt that's awesome absolutely good money good money in those we we do have an elk hunt that we are going to give away in california next year working on it through my la chapter we and it's going to be a tule also we're going to raffle it so we're going to sell 500 tickets, and one person's going to win like a $35,000 elk. How much are the tickets? We're going to probably 100 bucks. $100 tickets? Yeah. That's yeah. not bad, dude. No. That's not bad, man. Is there a maximum tickets you can buy? Or? No, you can buy as many as you want. You can buy I mean, them all. You want to buy, buy 50 grand in tickets, I'll sell them to you right now. <laughs> Goddamn right. So yeah. back to like the conservation aspect. I mean, we're talking yeah. about conservation left and right, but as far as like when you guys do a project, what is like the single most important one you guys do other than such as like water habitat restoration or that benefit the elk? Man, that's a tough one. Um, in California, um, noxious weed abatement is pretty big. Um, spraying for, I think it's called star weed thistle or something like that. Um, Juniper removal is pretty big because they suck up, a, or Western juniper removal is pretty big because they suck up a ton of water. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly just the way the state's been the last couple of years because we've been in a drought for how many years now? I forget in California, like basically forever. Yeah. Um, it's water projects. Um, we do a lot of water projects, putting in guzzlers, putting in beaver dam analogs. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Like it, it, pretty much everything is, is water based. And then when we can get private ranches to, uh, to want to do a prescribed burn because the, there's so much property that doesn't get burnt in California. Yeah. And that's why we have these crazy wildfires. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. It's common sense. There's yeah. been like three here in Southern California, Dude, like the last week. We have yeah. like, when you're rolling up, I'm sure you saw the mountains coming down. Yeah. Dude, the second a fire starts, they put them out. Yeah. And, and they go, I don't understand why we have these wild <laughs> fires. They, you know, I mean, obviously temperature and, the humidity mm. levels and stuff have a lot to do with it, and I'm not going to knock, you know, climate change or whatnot, but, bro, yeah. when a fire starts, save property and just let it freaking burn, yep. dude. 
And we yeah. won't have that problem there next just year. Burn it every couple of years, it won't kill everything inside. Yeah, yeah man. I had to get out of Dodge last week, and I won't say where, but there was three fires, and I was in one of them. <laughs> and it was scary. It was, yeah, <laughs> dude. I, I mean, it, there's clearly, it's not necessary. It, when you burn all the time, it's good. Yeah. When you burn once every 50 years, it's bad. Yeah. It burns I mean, so there's hot, like species you know? of pine trees that won't release the seeds in their pine cones and pine cones until a fire comes through. Yeah, it, well, the process it's a natural process. That's crazy, right? But when we keep stomping out fires, and then a fire gets out of hand, and we can't stomp it out, and it burns super hot, it destroys everything. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like the natural cycle of fire is, a fire is supposed to come and just rip through a forest real quick and be yep. done. You know, and it'll burn five years later and do it again. You know, yep. It's a big cycle. Yep. You know, when they burn too hot, it's not good. Yep. You know. how, do, how do you do your promoting for, for Southern California folks to even know about um, RMEF? Because, like I said, I, I wasn't very familiar with it. I didn't know much about it. Yeah, so. how, does one, how does one learn about you guys? Yeah, so we have a, uh, we have a California Facebook page, uh, California RMEF Facebook page. It's called California Rocky Mountain Elks Foundation. Uh, we got a couple thousand followers on there. We have an Instagram account, but uh, somebody lost the, the login for it, so we're in the process of getting our Instagram back up and running. Um, we still do have, obviously, our, our national um, social media pages, which, you know, have tons of tons of followers. Um but, um, yeah, so if I'm having a banquet or something like that and I want to advertise it, I will localize my advertising to the area, usually something within, like, 50, 65 miles, depending on where the chapter is. Um, and I'll pull um, a mailing list in that area of RMEF members or people who have um, attended banquets and things like that in the last couple of years and send them all emails and physical mailers in the mail so they'll know, like, we're having a banquet, things right. like that. And then I'll create a, a Facebook ad usually so that – it's getting in front of folks that aren't RMEF members that are on the fence about, you know, maybe I want to get involved with RMEF or come to a banquet or something like that. So um, folks like that will see it. Yeah. I. It seems like there needs to be more of a presence in that. You know, the, yeah. 20 years ago, like how did how did the, the word get out? I have no word idea. Word of mouth man. and just <laughs> all social 20 media years ago, now. I was like nine years old. Yeah, I, but you know what I mean? Like nowadays it seems like everything is social media. Yeah, exactly. Everything. So it's almost like REMF needs to have Yeah, we're f- working on coming out of the dark ages. and you Yeah, know. and this is not just specific to REMF, dude. Yeah, it is, all, it all, is the, all, so, all the all the uh, nonprofits, nonprofits are dude. like this. And yeah. it's the weirdest thing. You would think that they would, but you'd think they'd take advantage of it, but it makes yeah. sense, okay? Yeah. We have talked about it a handful of times on this podcast. The majority of people that are active in this kind of stuff mm-hmm. are older. Yeah. It's true. That's so true. It's true. And, and, and most of my chapters of volunteers are just old retired guys. Yeah. And they're like, ain't got but nothing better. I mean, do. at the same time, they, they have the time to do it. Like, if you have a nine to five job, you don't have a whole bunch of time to, you know, plan a party for 300 people. Right. No, <laughs> yeah. I get that yeah. without a doubt. But you, you would think, though, like, I mean, you would think there would be, when I think of RMEF or like RMEF, mm-hmm. I think on a national level. I don't yeah. think on a local level. So, like, yeah. on the national level, I think, like, oh, there's funding there to pay someone to do this shit. Yeah. You know? Like, a, an event planner. Yeah. You would think that a general area of the country would have an event planner, mm-hmm. right? That would plan all these events. And then that you would that's think. Me. Well, I, I know. That's you. And then you're also the social media guy. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. look, you're in my garage recording with us right now. And, yeah. you, you know, I mean, so, it, I, 
like, I don't know your workload, but it seems like you got a shit ton of stuff on your plate. <laughs> you would think on a national level, there's enough funding there to make sure because you got to spend money to make money, dude. Yeah. So we kind of talked about this, uh, on our call last time. Um, folks don't like looking at the finances of a nonprofit, especially like a hunting related nonprofit like this mm-hmm. and see that their money has to go towards paying salaries. Right. Cause they're going to be like, what the heck I paid, you know, this amount of money at that banquet and it's paying this guy's salary right. to, and he's going elk hunting and all this other kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I can tell you, we don't make that much money, but yeah. we do have a salary. So we try to keep our costs like as low as possible right. because otherwise you end up in a situation like some other organizations have gotten into where you're like, how much is this guy getting paid and what does he actually do? I mean, right. yeah. Yeah. But you know what? There wouldn't be anybody else doing it. Yeah. No you one know? else is going to be doing it, dude. Yeah. That's why RMEF is definitely an organization to it's get involved It's a front runner. With. It's a front runner. Do, do you guys work with organizations that aren't nonprofits that, that give money to RMEF? Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like there's companies that do, oh, this is part of our annual allotment for nonprofits. Yeah, like Loophole. And know, they donate a ton of money yeah, to you guys? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's yeah. good. Loophole, Yeti, Sitka, all the big. All the big ones. All the big ones that we're partnered with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, California is pretty sought after, actually. To, I know 95% of our listeners are newer hunters Yeah, wanting to get into hunting and be, becoming hunters. Um, California, to complete that, the Grand, elk that grand Slam, slam yeah. like we have yeah. the only tool elk, tule elk population. Correct. Yeah, the only state in the country that has all three species of yeah. elk, the, the Rocky Mountain, the Rosie, or excuse me, the Roosevelt's, and the, uh, the Tule's. So yes. all I have to do is live to 150, I can get all three? Well, you can get you can get the <laughs> or one. You could, well, I mean, you, or you could be just wicked rich and buy landowner tax. <laughs> or you can enter in one of the raffles. Do you, do you, okay, that's true. Yeah. Or enter a raffle. I, we do raffle a uh, a rosy tag through our Crescent City chapter, the Six Rivers chapter, way up in Northern California. We're gonna raffle a Thule through the Los Angeles chapter, the San Fernando Valley chapter, and then uh, we'll ra- we're gonna raffle a Rocky mountain through the bakersfield chapter dude the, so. those guys up north would be wadded up dude, oh, dude. if some socal dude won it oh yeah <laughs> they'd be so uh, wadded up the guy that won the the rosy tag last year was from uh rancho cucamonga oh that's sweet dude yeah, yeah. dude and like I, I don't know what it is about me but i'm like infatuated with like like coos deer yeah the southern Desert california stuff. mule deer you know yeah tule elk is something i'm very interested in because it's such a sought after thing to go out you know to yeah. hunt yeah, and uh, that can you enter in this raffle and you can essentially win, cut off yeah. what twenty twenty five years of waiting for a tag. Sure. Yeah, so this yep. is an opportunity to you know. I never had interest yeah. in elk. I only wanted to hunt deer and coyotes. And then I watched a couple of Randy Newberg episodes, and all there of a sudden go. I got fired up. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah man. There's some incredible, it. incredible videos out there of things that people have experienced chasing elk out there, and yeah, it's it's, really wild. Wild. it's nuts. Let I I don't want to change course. I want to stay on this, and I know we haven't asked you about this, but I don't even know if you know. I know you're not a biologist. Yeah. What are the state, like, what's the state of our elk herds in California? Do you know? I, I do not. Um, I would say right now, probably not the best just because of the drought. Right. Because we're constantly trying to get water to yeah. our elk. Um, but I, would, I have no idea on, in terms of, like, historic population levels. Right. Because, you know, it, I wish I knew. Like, I wonder if we could get somebody, and I don't even know if, REMF has anyone on payroll that deals directly with biologists that could speak on this, or maybe we can get someone on or whatever. But yeah, I probably can hook you up. To me, it sounds like if it's a water issue, mm-hmm. I I don't feel as if 
fish and game is going to fight us too much to put more guzzlers on public land. Or no, not at all. Fish, right? They would love it if it, we could do it. And it comes down to funding. Yeah. Right? So if the funds are there, we can do it. Yeah. As far as getting water to the existing guzzlers, that also doesn't seem very hard for us to do. No. Listen, a rental truck for a water truck, a 2,000-gallon water buffalo, you go down to Smojo's rental, mm-hmm. it's going to cost you 500 bucks a day, dude. Right? Mm-hmm. To fill it up, dude, we can get a meter from any local municipality, dude. You hook yeah. it up to a, a fire hydrant and you fill this own bitch up. Drive it out to the guzzlers and fill them up. Is it a water issue? Like the current guzzlers aren't getting filled? Uh, I don't know the details on that, but I, I mean, my th- initial thoughts would be like, how quickly is that? You spend all this money, you go dump all this water in all these guzzlers in the middle of the desert. How long is that water actually going to last? Because once that sun comes up and that water starts right. evaporating, I mean, it's going to. Well, like gone. when I when I think of a guzzler, I don't think about like waterfowl guzzlers, right? I'm thinking like actual tanked guzzlers oh, okay. that have you saying. know yeah. three, four thousand gallon an tanks external tank that right. drops in, yeah. Yeah. correct? Okay. And that's what I'm thinking. Like to fill that up, those. And I'm not saying it's RMF's problem. Yeah. I'm saying it's the California problem. Yeah. Those should be filled. They should never go dry. And if we have guzzlers that are dry, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm saying, like, I wish there was someone that I could get get in contact with or speak to on the podcast that could talk on behalf of the organization or the state of California that that is in charge of that. Yeah. Because guzzlers are are super important, especially now. Yeah. You know, It, it is incredible if you just read the news of what's going on yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i i almost feel as if you know instead of making new guzzlers we should maintain the ones we have first yeah you know what i mean that's what you're saying go but, look out of state out of state the deer populations you'll you'll find deer in desert terrain that you would never think to find them out here right in california yeah, right. monsters over in arizona yeah it's because it's <laughs> yeah. all the water everywhere Dude, and water everywhere so so why why can't California follow in their footsteps and kind of spread the deer population out or elk population out by, by adding water? Dude, this is going to fire me up right now. I don't have kids, and there's a bunch of dudes at work right now hooting and hollering about this $300 stimulus check they got in their freaking accounts this morning. And Take that money and go fill them up. How about that? You know? That stuff fires me up, I had dude. no idea people got checks this morning. Timmy, check your either. account, dude. I doubt it. Brian, let's hear uh, it. I got one. Yeah, I'm sure you got two of them, dude. Yeah, you but, should uh, donate that money, dude. I'm definitely gonna become an becoming an RMEF member yeah. after this. Absolutely. Hey, use part of that for the membership, and then go get some Soros. I know. Right? <laughs> I, I got one. I think it was only like. <laughs> you know, like I didn't dude, get one. <laughs> I think it's like a three hundred dollar deposit per kid or something that guys are getting right. Oh, now. I don't families know kids, are getting. That's what it is. Oh yeah, no, that's a okay. that's a kid thing, dude. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's a I think it's a California thing. Yeah. But so yeah. it's not a funding issue. The state of California has money for this, dude. You're giving freaking 40. No, we don't have money for it. They're still giving it out, though. Well, whatever. Dude, wherever that funding's coming for, or, like, coming from, make sure it comes our way. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know. What what would a couple million dollars do for California? Oh, man. If we you know what I mean? If we made a couple million dollars in California, we'd be far and away the, the top income-producing state for RMEF. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I guarantee you, in three blocks right here, a million dollars went to all these... I don't want to get all fired up right now with the child <laughs> stimulus checks. Yeah. Okay, so there's... You got a list of questions, though? No, there's Desert Wildlife Unlimited. Those guys out there filled up the drinkers for the deer and yeah. the and the, the rams and stuff. Those are all volunteers that, that go out there. They, they all put water bladders in the bed of their trucks, and they go yeah. out there and fill up those drinkers. Yeah. 
how hard would that be to get a bunch of guys together? Not hard at all. We can make it happen. And and basically just be on a rotation. I mean, between right to bear, ridge to ridge, ST Muleys, RMEF, I mean, you could have plenty of volunteers that would do that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have folks all the time getting in contact with me wanting to do on the help with on-the-ground project things. And I'm like, I'd love to get out and do some projects with you guys. I just don't know. Because I live in L.A., so yeah. I don't know what we can and can't go do right now, y'all. But uh, when things come up, we'll for sure make it happen. Like right now, I'm trying to get folks uh, to volunteer for a uh, illegal cannabis grow site reclamation project with uh, the Integral Integral Ecology Research Center up, up in the uh, – man, what national forest is it now? Klamath. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get, you know, four to six people to come in, hike into an illegal cannabis grow site and uh, tear it down, clean it up and make it back into elk habitat. Yeah. So that's that's going on Absolutely. next week or two weeks, I think. Yeah. Do, do you guys, does REMF or does RMEF have a map of all the guzzlers that A, have been placed Ooh. on behalf and B, that are existing that uh, I can get you a L? map of every project that we've done in California. I don't know if I can sort it by guzzlers. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I would like to know. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm sure the listeners would and the, and the members would too. Cause I, I mean, that wouldn't even start to touch all the guzzlers because there's all the other, you know, CDA, Mule Deer, Muley Fanatics. All those folks are doing similar projects. Yeah. So you'd, ha- you'd probably actually want to reach out to the state and get a uh, some sort of guzzler map because they're keep probably keeping track of where all these well hopefully keeping track of where all these guzzlers are on on state property because it would it would it would be so beneficial to know how many of these projects that have been put out there mm-hmm. in like say five years they go unnoticed yeah you know what I mean like oh dude we did this it's great. But once we put it in, it's kind of like we wipe our hands with it, and then it's like, what happens to it? Who maintains it? Who who makes sure there's water in it? You know? Yeah. And and that was always something that I was always curious about. If mm-hmm. if, for example, because we've thought about like numerous things, like mm-hmm. uh, maybe one day we could we could raise some money and put a guzzler out in our local mountains, right? Yeah. But then once we put it in there, who maintains it? Are we responsible or does the state fish and game what you know what i mean does forest service manage it are they going to roll a water truck up to it and fill it up because i wouldn't hope so well that's what i'm saying (laughs) like you roll around in our local mountains and you see guzzlers they're bone-ass dry yeah and they're falling apart some dudes get cocky and go patch up the concrete pads you know what i mean i mean Mm -hmm. some people try to maintain these and i don't know if it's the actual organizations that put them in that did it or not but if we were to put a put a guzzler in man like we would want in the you know, I'm sure your membership would want some sort of maintenance plan, dude. It would want to have a like a built-in maintenance plan. Yeah. Like, hey, we're gonna go fill this thing up with water, or check to see if it has water in it three times a year. Yeah. You know, yeah. we got a four thousand gallon storage tank, and we want to maintain water in that thing. Yeah. You know, and I don't know how fast four thousand gallons would go. To be I honest no with idea you, either. I know that me and Brian got a spring, and I shit you not, that thing probably holds fifty gallons, and it's only been. It's getting dry now. It's drying up now. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was it was it's a constant drip. Yeah. You know, so I don't. I, <laughs> so other than the uh, banquet coming up, what is it? August twenty third, you said twenty first. Twenty first. Is there any other banquets or events going on? Yeah, we have. Uh, we got a couple things in the works. We got. Um, there's not a ton of banquets left. I'm, I'm working on getting one uh, stood up up in Lemoore. It's kind of up north, uh, a more central California area in September sometime. And then there's going to be two in way up north California the first two weeks in November. Um, that's pretty much all the banquets we have left in the state. We missed out on a lot because of COVID at the beginning of the year. Yeah. 
Um, other than that, I got some other things in the works. I'm trying to put together, you know, some more fun options for folks to engage in that aren't necessarily the same banquet format. Um, there's a couple different things. Uh, I'm working on getting a uh, RMEF long range shooting school weekend put together. Um, I'd like to do like a bugles and brew event with, with all my chapters. You know, you pay X mount and you come get hooked up at a brewery or something like that. Yeah. Um, golf outings, uh, clay shoots, things like that. I'd love actually, what I really want to do, um, is like somehow get a, a big dead gum pig and, uh, have like a butchering class that folks can sign up for. Cause you know, a lot of folks like want to get into hunting in California, yeah. but they don't understand like what to do. Like after you get an animal on the ground, like I got, you know, a 400 pound elk on the ground from four or 500 pound cow on the ground. What do I do now? If we could get a pig, like that'd be a great way to explain to folks, like this is what the first step you want to do, you know, getting the guts out, all these other things, you know, quartering them out, packing them up, putting them in a pack. That was like my biggest like fear going in when I started hunting. Like, what yeah. am I going to do? Mm-hmm. YouTube can only teach you yeah. so much. Mm-hmm. Sticker shock once you see that thing oh, yeah. around. Hands, <laughs> like, oh. hands on would be amazing. <laughs> that is, I, we have a lot of guys. That, this is something we could probably do through you guys. Oh yeah. Well, we have listeners that we actually like deal with on a regular basis and, yeah. and you know, basically become buddies that still have yet to put an animal down that are like in that same boat right now. Like, what am I going to do? Like they watch YouTube. They're addicted to YouTube. But like you said, the sticker shock, it's like, wow. (laughs) Like now what? Yeah. So I've never been elk hunting for myself, but I have been involved on, uh, like some youth hunts, uh, with, with kids. And you're just like, no matter how much you prepare yourself the first time, you are not actually ready for how big that elk is on the ground. Once you, once you walk up to it, cause you walk up to it and you're like, Good Lord, this thing is bigger than the bed of my truck. How am I going to get this out of here? <laughs> we, we have a big network of people that, and everyone talks to each other that listen to the podcast. I mean, how hard would it be to really send a text or a, a Instagram message to someone? I'm sure out of however many hundreds of people, someone's going to show up and help you, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's exactly like the platform that we hold and our buddies and the platforms they hold. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, dude, it, it would take one, like, if someone hit, yeah, if someone hit Brian up and was like, hey, dude, I need help, that thing would go. F- it would blow yeah. up and someone would be there. Most yeah. likely, if I didn't have anything going on, yeah. I would I would pack up and go because that's yeah. just love yeah. teaching people. Brian, yeah. Brian got a text last year what was it about? From, from Ryan prior to him getting on the podcast. And you went and took, his, took care of his deer. Oh, oh, yeah. No, he was. I think he was part of it. Was he? Was he? Oh. I don't think he was. He, he didn't know what to do. And I, I knew he you know, it was his first deer. And then. I had called. He said, I got a deer down. Or he sent us a video. He was, yeah. tra- he was tracking his deer. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, dude, I'm on the way. Send me, send me where you're at. And I went out there and helped him out. The, co- the community's yeah. pretty strong in Southern yeah. California. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did that once when I was in college. With I helped run the uh, the hunting club at the, the school I went to. And this this kid signed out a gun. and He had never shot a deer before and shot a doe by himself. And was like, I have no idea what to do now, man. So I went out there and helped him. You know. Helped him out. Yeah. That it, was. I mean, that was... Whitetail country, though, so we only had to drag it, you know, 50 yards to the road. The, yeah. the, <laughs> the funny thing is, dude, is, like, we, the community in Southern California is big mm-hmm. in hunting. Like, no yeah. one thinks of Southern California as, like, a, yeah. is a, like, a mecca for hunting. But if you look at the amount of deer tags that are sold, literally mm-hmm. in Southern California, like, if you took a, if you took a, a line mm-hmm. and went from the top of L.A. County mm-hmm. and went to Nevada or yeah. Arizona, right, straight across, down to Mexico, Dude, there is a metric shit ton of tags that are Ridiculous sold. amount Dude, of tags. a lot of tags. Yep. And even if you, like, San Diego, what did we say? 
It was it was three thousand D sixteen, a thousand A twenty two, and a limited AO. And limited AOs, you have almost a hundred M six, and you have almost like three hundred G thirteens. So yeah. do the math. I mean, dude, I, we got over five thousand tags sold in yeah. San Diego County D sixteen. Yeah, dude, that's a lot Where of. Where they're only gonna kill, you know, how many deer this year? Yeah, I know we did the math. Eight, I mean, it was like yeah, like five. Oh, less than that, dude. It's like five hundred deer total come out. Yeah. It was like that. It's like a 6% close, off. Close to that, yeah. Yeah, it's not very many. But but the thing about it is like the, the community is is it's here. Yeah. Like it is here. And the mm-hmm. organize it, the nonprofits need to capitalize on it. Yeah. They they do. Yeah. And uh I, I like what you guys are doing. You know, I could I could get behind it, I could support it. Mm-hmm. You know, that idea of elk. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Everyone here hunts local or out of state. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean they go northern California, obviously, but yeah. You only have two options. Yeah. California or out of state. And mm-hmm. when you think out of state, you think elk. Yeah. And the idea, like we talked about, dude, everyone thinks about killing elk. Yep. And, you know, if you're not behind the organizations that are that are maintaining it and 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 looking for more land access and habitat reconstruction and, and putting in guzzlers and trying to grow the elk populations and trying to get more tag allotments, you know, if we if we don't get behind these organizations, we're gonna lose them. Yep. Yep, that that's absolutely. that is fact yeah if we had you know if every hunter in the country actually you know purchased a membership with all the conservation organizations the amount of work that we'd be able to do would be unbelievable yeah. but it's not everybody does it you know yeah. so. when when i purchase you know when i purchase a fishing game license like my mm-hmm. hunting license my fishing license two tags my ocean stamp mm-hmm. two rod stamp <laughs> like you never know where that money's going yeah like we assume that yeah. money's going back into. If we had guzzlers, we would know. Right, <laughs> we know for sure. Yeah, they, there are areas that we hunt that we find deer, yeah. and you go, "How the f do deer live here? Like, yeah. how are they here? There ain't yeah. no water." Yeah, you were talking about you don't know where any of that money goes. That's the beautiful thing about a nonprofit. We have to release audited financial statements yeah. every year, so you can see where every dollar went. It's disclosed. <laughs> well, I'm pretty it's sure. Disclosed. Pretty sure after this podcast, you guys got three new members. Yeah, <laughs> or more. Oof. You know, I I just let me talk you into a life membership. <laughs> I know. Right? It, I wouldn't be opposed to it. It just it trips me out. Like the nonprofit, like the nonprofit aspect of it is great because we actually, excuse me, know where the money's going. Yeah. But on like our, our state level, we don't know yeah. where the money's going. Yeah. You know, like you goes back to the guzzler thing. Yeah. There's plenty of money going in, dude. Yeah. I mean, I understand a lot of that money's gotta go to fun fishing game and the, you know, they got assets they gotta maintain. They got personnel they gotta pay salaries to. There's yeah. benefits that go into that stuff. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But there there's there's so much, dude, like I don't know. It's so hard to wrap your. It's it's hard to fathom the amount of money that comes in. They don't oh, yeah. put out. They don't put out an annual report. There's for, no annual for oh, like, the state. Yeah, the state yeah. doesn't put out an annual report and go. This is how many fishing licenses we sold. Yeah. This is how many hunting licenses. This is we how sold. many tickets we wrote. Right. Like <laughs> that's it. You know what I mean? If it was speeding tickets. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> it, it it trips me out. You know. So say like I just I just purchased my membership for RMEF. Um. Like what's like? How can you take it further? Like how can you volunteer? Who can we get into contact with to volunteer? Yeah, to so restoration if you want to start getting involved in uh, in in volunteering with RMF, I'd say your first stop probably be me, um, and I'll get you based on where you live. I'll get you hooked up with whatever your local chapter is. Um, some folks only want to help out with like 
on the ground, like physical labor projects. They yeah. don't want to get into helping out running a banquet. So, I mean, the opportunity for to get those folks involved is, is definitely less because there's not always projects going on unless you come to me and say like, hey, we need to get this project done. It's not going to cost anything. We just need folks to do it. I can make that happen at any time. Right. Folks are always wanting to go out and do work that they feel like is going to benefit local wildlife. But if it's going to cost money, there's not that many projects that, that are like happening because the projects that do happen cost so much money. I mean, it is insane what some of the requests we'll get for, you know, elk or uh, hoof rot disease research. And it'll cost, you know, like $200,000 or something crazy like that. Um, but yeah, if you wanted to, uh, if you wanted to get involved with actually volunteering with RMEF, I'd probably say reach out to me by email, uh, mstarks at rmef.org. Let me know you want to get involved and I'll uh, hook you up with either a local chapter or if you want to only do on the ground projects, I put you in a group of a ton of other emails that I have. And whenever a project comes out, I email all those people saying, Hey, this is a project we've got going on right now. First four, whatever, how many people that I need that reply that want to attend the, this project are going to get picked to, to go out on it. So, all right. Yeah. That works out pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not very difficult. I no, it does just email away. I would say, like, a lot of folks are, are uh, hesitant about getting involved with a local committee and helping to run a banquet, but that's, like, where I need most of my volunteers is the because it is a ton of work. You know, if, if, if you want to put together a huge, huge banquet where you can have a really good time, I mean, you need a solid foundation of volunteers to help run that banquet, and it's actually a lot of fun. Like, there's not that much work that goes into it. Like, yeah, you got to set up and you got to tear down at the end of the night, but most of these committees are just, they're all friends just do it as a hobby. Yeah. And it's, I'll say like, if you said, like you said earlier, 95% of your listeners are new to hunting mm -hmm. and are looking to get more hunting opportunities. Yeah. This was a great tip that I learned from somebody when I was uh, in the military, get involved with your local, whatever chapter, because all those guys are hunting a lot. And once you become friends with them, you're going to start getting invitations to go do things with them. Yeah. I mean, it's that's like, I don't understand why that secret hasn't gotten out more. You'd think like folks would be like breaking down the doors to get involved with local committees because that's definitely the easiest way to get to know folks that have the knowledge to take you out to be hunting if you're new to hunting and be successful. Yeah, Scott, that learning curve. Yeah, Scott yeah. was saying when I was talking to him on the phone, he was like, man, we, we get opportunities to hunt all the time. Yeah. Like all the time. Whether that's for elk or just mule deer or whatever, yeah. just through local memberships and mm -hmm. people... People have land down here, yep. private land, big yep. ranches that attend these. Yeah, you know that are members, and they're very generous. Yeah, and know? it's and it's like it's not costing yeah anything. Like, <laughs> want to be clear, RBF is not paying for anybody to go hunting just because they're a volunteer. Correct. Or anything like that. Correct. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> but it, it will open up opportunities. Correct. The more you network yourself, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. It, it, yeah. Get out of your get out of your shell. Don't stay on YouTube all day. It's the best way. <laughs> if you're a new you hunter, go. it's the best way to get involved and yeah. learn the skills. Because yeah. you know a lot of these organizations. Like if you were like me and you didn't start out, yeah. when you meet people that are like minded and they are and they have more experience and then they take yeah. they like you, you know you like yeah. them. They they take you under their wing. They show you the ropes. Yeah, it's, it's not going to start obviously with a deer Correct. hunt, but like you know a dove hunt down here because. Everybody's got a dove hunting spot, and there's hey, always room for another dude to go shoot some doves. Yeah, <laughs> imagine if elk hunting was like dove hunting. Dude. <laughs> Even if someone doesn't take <laughs> you no hunting, left. <laughs> just just the knowledge yeah. from really experienced hunters. I mean, you can learn a lot just from a few conversations with yeah. someone who's a, a flat out killer. Absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. You're absolutely right, Timmy. I think it's good, man. I, I like what you guys do. I, you know, I think having a local chapter has got to be challenging. 100%. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be challenging. Yeah. It, you know, you're selling people an idea. 
Mm-hmm. You know, the reality is, is we don't go into our local mountains and in September and chase elk. It doesn't happen. Yep. You know, so it, we're selling an idea and in, in knowing that the money goes to benefit elk. Yeah. Is is a key point in that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? well, well, absolutely. Uh, you know, any banquets you guys have, just let us know. I mean, we can try well, to reach out to as much people as we can. So we yeah. are going to put this out. This is going to put this podcast is going to post uh, prior to the banquet. Oh, okay. uh, probably, to be honest with you. Here pretty quick. Yeah. Um, we'll continue to promote the banquet August 21st. I have an elk tag that's starting opening days the 21st. Brian's going to be out on a deer you hunt. You have an elk tag? Where I do. Um, Northern Utah, the Wasatch. Oh, man. Limited entry, big dog. Good for you, man. God, <laughs> Here we go. We'll start talking about that. I, dude, I, He's I got, a hot mess. I got lucky. Dude. Yeah. I drew this tag with three points. Holy like, cow. it is not. It yeah. is, it, I got the random tag. Yeah. So, I'm super excited. You going in solo or? That's probably what's going to end up happening. <laughs> looks like uh, all, my, all my buddies are busy. Looks looks like Ryan and I are right? going to the banquet. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, the thing about this is, you know, I have a hunting buddy yeah. that decided to fucking, oh, I got other plans. Well, I mean, I didn't think I was going to draw, draw a tag myself. but You have an elk tag also? I have a deer tag oh, okay. for Utah, but. No, Man, it's, I'll, it's, be, it's, I'll be chasing up. Listen, it's his first time chasing Fuzzy Buck, so he gets the he gets the excuse. He gets a pass on yeah, this he one, gets a pass, <laughs> you know, so he can go do his thing. I yeah. I'm full supportive of that, but yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna figure it out. I got some buddies, but more or less, probably gonna go solo, mm-hmm. which is fine. Yeah, it ain't no big deal. That's some serious work packing out a well, right? I mean, I, by yourself. I've I've already made phone calls, like you know, packing companies up there, people with horses and stuff. Yeah. So if if, the, if it happens and I get fortunate and I'm and I'm successful, man, then I'll probably be it's leaning 10 on people miles like that. In. <laughs> or wherever, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I have areas that, that I've been to before that hold elk, and I was never in them in September. I was always early August, but yeah. I would assume that, you know, I'm assuming that they're probably still going to be in the general area. Yeah. So we'll see how it all works out, and if I'm fortunate enough and lucky enough to to put a bull down, I'll, <laughs> you know, I'll be I'll be extremely ecstatic, and and figure out a way to get it out, you know, yeah, with, the, with the packing company, you know. Yeah. So I just quick tip, um, you know, you guys are putting in for bonus points every year, and you guys are like oh, I'm not going to draw this tag for 15, 20 years. You never know. You never know. Put in for the hunt every year. Yeah. yeah. You know, just I have two points. I'm not going to. You know, I, I applied for every. Limited entry mm-hmm. elk hunt there was in Utah, Arizona, whatever. Obviously, you know, chances are not very high, but you never know unless you're in it. Correct. Yeah, there's a volunteer on the San Diego committee that has, he drew the uh, Carrizo Plain Thule Bowl, and he's hunted a bighorn in California. See? Yeah, you, I mean, you can't put win. Lightning like, can strike twice. You can't draw <laughs> unless you're in it, period. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. You know, and, and that is fact. You cannot draw unless you put in for it, so make sure you're putting in for those. You know, you got anything, Brian? I'm good. Just Timmy. You know, hopefully, this opens some eyes. RMEF is doing a good 100%. thing. 100. percent Timmy. No, I'm good. You good? Yeah, absolutely. Mar- Marshall. Uh, no, thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. So definitely uh, uh, a great avenue to uh, get the word about Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation in California out there and uh, let folks know that we're here and we definitely could use some help. Right. Well, <laughs> between between us and Right to Bear out of Alpine, California, we're going to have some attendance. Yeah. at the banquet and uh we will definitely make sure that the people that attend to that record another podcast with you after the after the banquet so we can tell all of our listeners how rad it was <laughs> yeah i mean you know what i mean come on out if you want to win some guns we're gonna have a ton of guns to give away we're right. gonna have some bows if you're an, an, an archer we have some really cool interesting uh raffles we're gonna do we have this one that we call the progressive raffle mm-hmm. um i think uh, it's twenty dollars a ticket um 
if you win the raffle, you get to choose between a uh, Matthews VXR or Browning X-Bolt in 300 PRC. Mm-hmm. And uh, the winner of that raffle is going to get entered into a national drawing with everybody else that won that raffle throughout the country for a fully guided either archery or rifle hunt, depending on your choice. Gosh, dang, so, yeah, For 20 bucks. For twenty bucks, you could. End My up, God! And you get a full <laughs> set of Sitka head to toe, and a twenty five hundred dollar Cabela's gift card, and Dude. set of Kenetrek boots, and mm. dialed. <laughs> yeah, it's worth yeah. it, man. So, it you know, if listeners listening to this, if you want to get involved, uh, hit up Marshall. You gave all your information in it. We'll we'll post a link, and, and I'm sure we'll post some stuff on on our social media sites. And and uh, the banquet's August twenty first. Hit them up. Get involved. Buy a ticket. You guys good? Absolutely. Good to go. All righty, guys. Appreciate it.